Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host here on this program that brings you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com with a podcast uh, list that uh, spans Spotify and SoundCloud, iTunes Radio, iHeartRadio, many other locations. And we have a video cast, which is on YouTube, where you can watch these interviews, watch these conversations. And uh, we also ask that if you can support the work we're doing financially, uh, I would be gratefully appreciative if you can. If you can't, that's fine. I'm not, uh, we're not sitting here, uh, as I've said many times, folks, uh, you know, I used to work for, I worked 15 years for a Christian radio station. As a matter of fact, uh, speaking of 15 years, we're celebrating our 15th year here on Tell Me Your Story. Started on uh, September 7th of 2007. Anyway, back to the uh, Christian radio station. And I heard this over and over and over again. If you don't support the work that we're doing here, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to go off the air. To which I would say under my breath, then go off the air. I don't, I'm not going to play that game. If you can support us, I thank you, thank you, thank you. And those who have, I, I cannot thank you enough for the wor- the support that you've given us financially, but also energetically. And then leaving that aside for the moment, uh, I also ask that you take time during this, the decade of perfect vision. I can't believe we're already into the, and it is the fourth year of the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. It started with 2020 and um, spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice, which is a subject. It's going to be a major subject we're going to talk about on this program today. Uh, It will do you so much good just to sit there quietly, calmly in meditation. Um, One of my guests said, even if it's just 60 seconds, uh, you don't necessarily want to do that at a traffic light when you're sitting at a red, but uh, <laughs> but please take the time to to do that. Our guest today is gonna is gonna enlighten us on the work that she has been about. We'll find out for how long here in just a moment. Um, but uh, she has been working as we all have to make this world a better place. Her name is Sophia Demas. She has a couple of books available for you on her website, sophiademus.com. Consciousness Beyond Death, the stories, the I should say the stories of signs, messages, and timing. That is the one of the books. And also uh, her earlier release of The Divine Language of Coincidence, How Miracles Transformed My Life After I Began Paying Attention. First of all, um, Sophia, thank you so much for being with us here on the program. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for having me. I I do have to say that um, the word in this title of the book, The Divine Language of Coincidence, I've pronounced that word differently these days. Well, for many, many years. And I don't say coincidence anymore. It's coincidence. Incidents that just, and it's not random. I mean, we'll talk about that. I don't think it's random. Uh, these events that 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 sort of continue to reinforce that we are all connected. We are all one. And we are all working on our stuff. And we get 
shall we say, assistance from one another. And those that we get assistance from, uh, Sophia, I would, and I, I venture you probably feel the same way. Um, they are part of what Dr. Newton of the Life Between Lives research says is part of our cluster of entities that we travel through. And even though time is a human construct, we th- we travel through time and space, or maybe just say eternity, um, living out lives that we we change roles, and which is kind of cool, you know. I I myself have been a part of a program here in Santa Barbara called the Santa Barbara Revels. Last year, we put on a presentation called the Scottish Solstice Celebration that we performed at Christmas time. This year, uh, it has to do with the Solstice Celebration at Ellis Island in 1924. And I get to play, and I don't know what my role is yet because we just started rehearsals, but I'm part of the choir. And, uh, but we change roles in this, shall we call it this existence, this reality. Um, Talk to us a little bit about this concept of uh, coincidences, uh, especially on that divine level. How did you discover what what was it that told you and now that and and that you knew it wasn't something you believed you just knew in your bones as it says in stranger in a strange land you grokked it um it didn't happen overnight i, I it's a, it was a process um and it started when i was 19 and i was going through two I mean, two, I had two issues. It was existential angst that I'm sure every 19-year-old goes through. But um, there were these two um, issues that I felt were unsolvable. And within a very short period of time, uh, within a couple of months, I had a dream and I had met this man um, and what happened uh my my two in a very short period of time my two issues were solved i was transformed into someone else i grew up into womanhood into um i I became a different person and that did not uh get lost on me it was like how can this happen so I began paying attention and more things happened and, and, you know, and I would tell people, you know, my, my latest miracle and, uh, and people would say, well, these things only happen to you. And it it was a little annoying because I'm not a, I'm not special, you know, I'm not a yogi or a saint or anything, but, and then about 12 years ago, I reconnected with a childhood friend and I told her my latest miracle and she said, oh, these things only happen to you. And something clicked. And I, I mean, you know, these things happen to a lot of people, but the the number, the volume of events, <clears throat> you know, made me think about it. And what I came to believe is this, my secret, which is not really a secret, was that these coincidences turned into miracles 
or or getting exactly what I needed at just the right time mm -hmm. when I took action. When I let it, you know, if I had just said, oh my God, what a coincidence, it would have remained a coincidence. Mm -hmm. But by taking action, it elevated to getting a gift. Wow. And that to me, that one word, action or two words, taking action, uh, I think is the key in that respect. I myself throughout my life have said about my, my career, my personal life, et cetera, my, my whole life, every part of it, that I have always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Now, I'm not saying I live under, under a lucky star, that everything has been hunky-dory. Hell, I've been through a divorce. I have filed bankruptcy twice in my lifetime. No, neither, none of those were real fun things to do. Um, and yet, number one, here I am talking to you after all this time of going through the things that I have gone through. Now, I haven't taken the perspective you have by saying, okay, taking action and now suddenly it, it's a miracle. But in hindsight, if I may quote myself, 2020, <laughs> I could look back and say, yeah. I mean, I've also suffered through, and I don't know how much suffering there was, uh, the loss of my eldest sister and my father, my father just this year. And yet, you know, they're both with me. They're both here. And then my best friend of 53 years, which I'm a guy who likes milestones. And the bigger the milestone by number, the better. Uh, remember when we celebrated, you know, you and I, we've known each other 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And then it hit 53. And then I, I, I lose him in the material world. And I tried one day to try to cry over his loss. And every time I thought about him, I couldn't do anything but laugh because of how much fun he and I had together. And he's part of my cluster. And I hope to God he comes back sometime soon uh, to make me laugh in the present. That would be that would be fun. But there is a there was a television program. Uh, I believe it was. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm trying to remember that uh, I had it at one point, the title of the show. And it had to do with, um, and it, it was um, the main character, uh, uh, the actor was Kiefer Sutherland. And he had a son in the show, a short little curly haired young boy who had autism, but didn't speak, but communicated in other ways. What they did with the show uh, was they, they told four or five separate stories in the first, say, 30 minutes. In the second 30 minutes, those stories began to intersect one after the other, which, and I don't know if people got the message that it showed how we are connected, how we are one, how all of our decisions, they aren't made for us. We choose, but it's like you were talking just a moment ago, you took action when certain things happened and suddenly voila, a miracle. You you probably it's second nature to you now, or are you still keeping yourself, shall we say, conscious of and totally aware that oh, coincidence? Okay, I need to take action now, but it's it's more quick, quick actions because you know because there's a miracle coming. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's for me, but doesn't matter. I need to take action. 
Um, I don't think about it. Um, and, and that's how I learned uh, that I, I instinctively took action. Um, I'll tell you, I think that uh, I believe <clears throat> that there's an, a divine intelligence that better what's best for us than we do. Mm -hmm. Cleverly um, communicates with us in a variety of ways. And one of these ways is putting these little coincidences in our path because this divine intelligence wants us to be happy and and find our true purpose so so we um we it's our choice i mean we can do something with it <clears throat> or let it go and you can just oh wow what a coincidence and then it just remains a coincidence mm -hmm. so um so i believe that we're all on different levels of spiritual growth okay so so um this can answer your question I believe that most people are sort of um, here, down here in the, and look at things from the perspective of wishful thinking. So you're wishing something, <clears throat> the coincidence happens, you go, wow, what a coincidence. And you continue wishing it, wishing, no action. Then something else happens, keep on wishing. And then there's another level that I consider to be from the perspective of hope. Now you're aware. You, oh, here's a coincidence. Now, you know, I'm going to take action and hopefully I'll get my miracle. And then finally you get to this uh, place of faith, the perspective of faith where it it's wonderful. I mean, I'm human, so I'm not there all the time, you know, <clears throat> but once you're there and you have faith that everything is provided for you in the best for the best end um then you don't worry you don't worry about anything because if something great happens you go thank you thank you thank you and if there's obstacles in your way then you know it's a message not to go that way and how many times have I thanked God for, for these obstacles? Like thinking, oh, I met Mr. Wonderful. Oh my God, he's just so wonderful. And then things happened and it didn't go anywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, what? I can't believe it. And then, so now when I look back, you know, these Mr. Wonderfuls, uh, they either ended in jail or they died or they went... Oh. <laughs> you know so so that it's just oh it's it's just this um wonderful knowing you you, you are oh i shouldn't say you're doing this i i am filled with enthusiasm and excitement over this because as you're talking my mind is throwing images into my head uh into my movie theater uh of those types of events that have happened in my life and what's interesting is some of them by other people's, shall we say, judgment or assessment weren't exactly good things like a divorce, uh, like filing twice a bankruptcy in my lifetime, like, and the list goes on. And yet, one of the things I want to ask you about as we continue here is, is the, the subject of choices, which I have certainly made reference to more than uh, uh, one occasion, and uh, we'll make more references to it as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story.
I'm Richard Dugan, and I'm here with Sophia uh, Dimas, and uh, and we're talking about uh, the work that she's doing. I, I just love the way you're putting this because it adds a whole new perspective for me. But I want to talk about choices. And the phrase that we use, one of our slogans is that we are giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. Now, the, the yes, we have free will. That is true. But there comes a point in one's awareness, and I'm sure you're you're probably here and, and you say that this this whole process has become second nature to you. You don't think about it. You just do it. Uh, I, at one point in being, I, I will say tested by the still small voice I call my friend. I was bicycling back in Phoenix, heading for work, and I was bicycling through farm farm fields. They were about a mile square. And uh, at one point, uh, I got this prompting, okay, up at this next intersection, I want you to turn right. And then when you get up a mile, you'll turn left and get another mile, you'll turn left again, and you'll come right back down to the same street that you're on right now, but you'll be a mile further down the road and then continue on. And I'm going, are you crazy? I'd add three miles to my trip. What's the deal? I went half a mile past that intersection and the prompting got stronger and stronger. Now, bear in mind, I still had free will. I could have said, no, I'm continuing on to work. But I didn't. I turned around. <laughs> I went back to that intersection and then I did the loop around and came back down. I don't know. The only thing I can conclude is, and I sort of have given up the re- the need to know why, but I concluded that I didn't avoid an accident. I didn't do this. It wasn't so much the butterfly effect that I have now changed the world. It was more, oh, I'm being tested. Am I serious about listening to and following the promptings? And sometimes, uh, sometimes we get that. Now, I haven't had that in a long time, but there is something I wanted to throw out to you. I do want to get back to the whole thing of choices, but what's your perspective on deja vu? Because I was a seven-year-old kid and I had an entire day. Every time I turned around, I've been here before, and yet I'd never been there before. I've done this before, but I had never done that before. What are your thoughts on what, from your perspective, what does deja vu mean to you? Well, I know that I've had those feelings, but they're it's not a predominant thing. Mm-hmm. I um I do believe in um past lives and um one of the re- one of the um explanations that I can tell myself um is that it's uh, because some you get a glimpse from a past life mm-hmm. um i it's not predominant in my daily life so i i really can't talk about it okay i understand for me my perspective has been over the years and i haven't had them lately and i think i know why but it was for me <clears throat> the universe the divine telling me sort of sort of nudging me just a little bit saying no you're doing fine you know keep trusting because maybe at that moment i wasn't 100% trusting and so it would it would throw those up at me saying yep you're you're going the right way it was like a little signpost uh detour sign so to speak okay turn this way all right go this way um but back to choices 
and we have free will. And yet, on the one hand, if I, and I have, maybe not 100%, but I'll say 99%, turned my choices over to the divine. In other words, I am trusting that I'm being guided in the direction that I need to go. But there will be those who will challenge that and say, well, wait a minute, how do you know that that voice you're hearing, that prompting you're getting is from the divine? I mean, we've got people who claim that they get messages from the divine, but they're killing people. They're they're mass murderers. They're serial killers. They're, you know, they're whatever the antisocial behavior will call it in this world. Um, so how how do we how do we define that? And then let's get into that whole aspect of, so to speak, giving up my will, if you will, my free will to the divine. Well, I mean, you said a lot there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's true because um, another um, <clears throat> uh, job of or the of, of a coincidence is to not just nudge you towards what is best for you, but also to tell you that you're on the right path. So I, I do agree with that. Um, but I think that um, you, what you're describing is the, the inner voice. And that is another method that the divine communicates with us. And when you say, how do you know Again, it's a process. The more you hone this inner voice, and then, and then you 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 follow the direction, and then you see the gift that you get. Then you trust it more. So next time, you it's not really a choice. It's like, well, of course, if this urging, I can't. Well, I I, I have described many uh, times. Uh, in the first book, where <clears throat> the nudging the is 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 impossible to ignore. It's mm -hmm. just impossible. And every time it's the right thing to do. So it's a it's a process that keeps growing. And uh, when I have that urge, I just do it. And and also I also pay attention to because messages also come from other people. Mm -hmm. So if somebody says, you have to meet this person. I I will pick up the phone, contact them. If they say, you have to read this book, you have to read this book, I do it. When I hear that conviction, I do it. So it's, it's a process. Oh, yeah. The challenge for a lot of folks, <clears throat> and I have to say that as unique as the ideas put forth in our founding documents are as unique as those ideas are. There's a certain element of almost on the, it's a sort of a mixed bag here of, of sabotage in regards to listening to and following the, the uh, still small voice, if you will, the divine and really pushing the whole individualistic aspect. And maybe that's part of the plan that, this these ideas needed to be put forth to say, do you see how over time 
this concept doesn't really work, does not serve you. And, you know, and matter of fact, that's the first time I actually came to that realization right here, right now with you is it was necessary for them to pen those rulings. And in a matter of speaking, yes, as some have said, these founding documents were divinely inspired, but not divinely inspired to reinforce the ideas in those documents, but again, to show how, if I may use this word, unsustainable they are, because in a matter of speaking, are they not irrelevant on the spirit level? Maybe the human level, they're relevant. But when you get into my, my father, he's on the other side. How do, those, how do those elements apply? I'd like to think my dad is happy now. But what are your thoughts in that regard? And I'm not, I'm not, we're not going political here. I'm just, I'm just saying that sometimes we forget that the divine, as you, as you've already alluded to, puts this kind of stuff in our path to show us the paradox, if you will, the illogic aspects of man's ideas, the human ego-centered personality ideas, shall we say, in contrast to what the divine is really trying to show us? Well, um, I'm going to touch on free will, okay? Because I'm a very willful person. Like, I make a decision and that's it. So I had made some decisions in my life. And one was I was not going to get married. I was not going to have any kids because my careers, I had three successful different careers. And the one thing for sure was not going to happen. I was not going to write a book. Okay. So somehow this divine intelligence knew better than me. And um, a series of events happened. Luckily, lucky for me, I had a little, I had my mind open a jar, even though the decision was made. So I was very, uh, a very successful uh, single person until the age of 45, when I met Frank, and I married him. And, um, and then uh, uh, it was uh, 12 years ago, when one of my mentors, Father Stephen, who I think, along with Jimmy Carter, is the they're the closest thing to Jesus, and um, he um, he opens he opened up these shelters, uh, covenant houses, uh, uh, for for um, homeless youth, and he introduced me to this beautiful teenage girl. Uh, that had found herself in the shelter. She was from Istanbul. Mm -hmm. um, the story of abuse and abandonment this person went through was just unimaginable and, and re-traumatized, re abuse on every level. And anyway, um, long story short, we adopted her. So um, my new favorite uh, holiday was... Mother's Day, you know, and um, and that was and now she's um, married to her architect husband and living in Greece. She just got her third master's. She's working for Pfizer as a biostatistician. And I, I mean, the joy that I've had because of these two people, you know, and then I had written two books 
I mean, how does that work? I mean, I have my will. I, I just, it, it just, you know, it was, these were decisions I had made, but, but, you know, paying attention to, to the, the, not just what was put in my path, but also listening to my inner voice for guidance. Hmm. We're talking with Sophia Demas. SophiaDemas.com is the website. I certainly hope that you will go to her website. Check out these two books in particular, Consciousness Beyond Death, and also her earlier memoir, The Divine Language of Coincidence, or as I like to pronounce it, Coincidence. It's one of the things I love about the uh, the British is how they change the pronunciation of words, uh, Sophia. <laughs> Laboratory. Yes, indeed. Or aluminium. I'm sorry, where is that on the periodic table? Uh, which I used to know, actually. I used to know the periodic table, but uh, <laughs> I've let a lot of that stuff go. We're talking with her here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan. And um, I want to ask you a little bit about this uh, this aspect of, of um, uh, one's memoirs. Now, if I may ask, at what age? I'm not asking how old you are now, but at what age did you write your memoir? Well, <clears throat> my age is no secret, you know, so... Um, I'm going to be 72 this October, and uh, I wrote it on, 2011 was a big year for me. I turned 60, I started the book, I, we adopted, uh, I met my daughter to be the person that became my daughter. Um, and so, and it was, and it was something that was so not planned. Um, I had a medium a medium which I had no desire to go see a medium, but the way things happened, which I write about in the first book, and she was this, you know, world famous medium that shows up um, here to uh, uh, head uh, the headline the uh, body mind uh, body mind spirit convention in New Jersey mm. and somehow it, it's so bizarre the way it happened but I came face to face with this medium and she told me that I was going to write a book and I just said to her I, I said I'm sorry but that's not in the cards okay <laughs> I said, you know number one I said I have nothing to say but two I'm a people person and there's no way that I'm going to sequester myself somewhere and write a book and she just let me argue. And when I was finished, she said, word for word, she said, spirit says, when she's ready, there are many spirits here to help her and many hands on earth. And that's how it came down. But at that moment, when she said that, I went, well, just because I thought to myself, you know, just because you're good or you're world famous doesn't mean you get it right every time, you know, like. And I just dismissed it. And there it is, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where um, <clears throat> a lot of times, again, even though we have free will, the universe just keeps prompting and prompting and prompting. Um, I don't want to say it's coercion, <laughs> but there is a certain element of that on the part of the divine that says, look, I really really need you to choose to do this. Uh, and you'll, uh, you might, 
you might understand down the road, but your understanding is irrelevant. It's kind of like uh, resistance is futile. Well, understanding is futile because it doesn't matter whether you understand. And th- I'm curious as to maybe maybe that's the reason why so many people fight that th- those promptings. They hear the voice. They feel the promptings. But they say no, and they turn the ball game up louder, or they turn the the party up louder, or they turn whatever it is in their world, in this reality, up louder so that they can drown that out? Well, I'll tell you something. Um, You know, I feel like being here on Earth is like being in a laboratory, okay? Mm -hmm. And... uh, I am not the person I was 40 years ago. Okay. Thank you very much for saying that. I have to pass that on to someone in my regards as well, but continue. <laughs> so 40 years ago, I, I was for capital punishment. Yeah, kill them, kill them all, you know, get them off the streets, kill them. You know, we're paying too much to have them in jail, just kill them. And now, even if somebody did a horrific thing to somebody that is close to me, God forbid, I could never, ever say, yes, we're going to schedule this person to die. It's just not anywhere near me. So I believe that when you take the messages of, I'm not talking religion, I'm talking the messages of the messenger, Jesus, Buddha. If you take their way, you know, Jesus never said, worship me. All he said was, follow my way. Buddha too. So, so, you know, if you align yourself, uh, you know, I mean, I used to be much, I mean, very materialistic. Um, And Hey, I, I love beauty and beautiful things more than anyone, you know, (laughs) I don't need them. I don't need them. Something else has happened. Um, I derive like a real satisfaction when I know that I've really helped somebody in some way, it's, it's a, I get the gift, you know, and, um, and in, in my first book, um, you know, it's a memoir. So of course it's chrono, mostly chronological, except for two chapters. And one is titled please, which is about prayer. And the other one is thank you, which is about gratitude, which I believe is the highest form of prayer. And, and so, so, and I'm not talking about formal prayer. You know, you just ask. Mm-hmm. You ask for what you want, and you then you say thank you. And um, in fact, in that chapter, the please chapter, and, and in those in those two chapters, the miracles are more thematic. Um, but in that um, chapter, um, I found out like, I don't know, 20 some years ago, I was um, going to have lunch in Rittenhouse Square here in Philadelphia. And there and there were three benches that were empty and one had a book on it. So of course I go to the bench with the book and the book was titled, "You something like, you were not born naked or something like that. It was a very strange title and and I look at in the back, and it was um, it was authored by a Catholic monk that was a student of A Course in Miracles, which has 
altered my life. Okay. Mm. It has completely added to my life. And that book was the most beautiful writing on forgiveness. And it made me, Greek is my first language. And, and the Lord's prayer was first written in Greek. It was said, Jesus told his apostles, uh, the prayer in, uh, Aramaic, Mm -hmm. but it was written in Greek. And I, the first thought in my head, it was just so beautiful, um, was, wait a second, the word forgiveness is not in the Greek version. Oh, and I went through line by line and I can't tell you how much people have missed out if they don't get the Greek version. So I retranslated it and I got the blessings of my friend, Father Dimitrios Costandelos, who was a world famous, uh, world known um, uh, Greek scholar and theologian. And I got his blessing on it. And um, it's it's the perfect prayer. Mm. And so... um, so now I forgot what you asked me. I, I think I went. Well, that's fine. I, I, the thing that that really gets me is this aspect of translation. Now, I'm curious, what did the word that we have in the English version that you say does not appear in the Greek version? What did the word English word forgiveness actually translate to? Okay. So, um, you know, forgiveness, there's a a good way of forgiving and a not so good way of forgiving. So I can say to you, um, okay, I'll forgive you, but don't you ever forget it. (laughs) Or I could say to you, look, let's just turn the page. Let's forget about it and just you know, just pretend it never happened. I, I, let's just move on. So there's a, so in the Greek version, it's more like instead of forgiving somebody, it's free us, free us from that, which keeps us back, like free us from our, any uh, uh, obligatory thing, free us. And we free you know, our, our enemies, free them from guilt. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is, is, is you can use forgiveness to keep somebody feeling guilty or you free them. You, mm-hmm. you lift it. Yeah. You know, and that's interesting. And I, I, I I'm going to do a little um, uh, uh, detour here just very briefly in regards to translation. I've said this many, many times on this program now, I know that I know a little bit about the Hebrew Aleph Bet, the 22 characters. And each one of them, as I did my research, has its own legend. It has its own color, its own numerical uh, reference, its own tone. Uh, it's like on a map. You see all of those different uh, symbols and so forth. Well, each of these letters has that kind of a legend. Then you start putting letters together in words, a whole new legend, words into sentences, sentences into paragraphs, into chapters, into a book. 
And you have an incredible, shall we, I'm going to coin a friend of mine, uh, his book called The Mosaic. You have an incredible mosaic. And then when you translate it into other languages, guess what happens? That legend goes away. Now, to my, my point is this. A gentleman that I have uh, I happened to listen to on one of these YouTube shorts made reference to the fact that the in the Ten Commandments, uh, the, one of the commandments is, thou shalt not kill. You'd think I know what number it is. I was born and raised Catholic, and we had to memorize that for a test. Needless to say, he says the word kill is incorrect. In the correct translation, it's the word murder. And I'm sitting here going, okay, we've had this book for what, maybe 1,500 years, and granted, yes, they probably wrote it a little earlier than that, but in terms of uh, accessibility to the general public uh, after Gutenberg and his uh, his uh, printing press, uh, and the word hasn't been changed from kill to murder. So I challenge that assertion that that word in whatever the original language was, Hebrew, Aramaic, whatever, uh, actually is murder. Because if it were, it would have been changed in somebody's translation. And that's kind of the thing that I get to when it comes to books, whether they be ancient wisdom teachings, as I like to call them, or otherwise, that were written in an, the original language was A, translated into B, okay, what was lost? And so maybe it would be better if we learned that original language so we would know really what was being said. Matter of fact, um, I have a, a book that was really very uh, profound for me uh, that was written, or I should say channeled, by a gentleman by the name of Johannes Graeber. And the book back in the 30s, uh, he was also a Catholic priest, by the way. And the book was not too complimentary. The channel was not too complimentary of Catholicism back then. But nonetheless, nonetheless he also translated a, ver of the version, a version of the New Testament. And there's a passage in there, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. His translation, which makes a heck of a lot more sense to me, is Seek ye first communication with the spirit world of God, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts in that regard? And is that where we really need to go within to get sort of a, a guidance on translation or meaning and meaning for us as an individual? Not, okay, I, I got the meaning here. This is what everybody should now believe. Well, I, um, I believe that this book um, <clears throat> has uh, Jesus's message. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I mentioned uh, a course in miracles. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I have uh, several copies. Okay. Um, well, th th I write about this because it was slapping me in the face for like two and a half years from different sources. And I absolutely was not going to read this book. Um, <clears throat> when I, I, I mean, I literally tripped on it and, um, and I thought, okay, um, I was going, I, I was considering reading it. And then I, I looked at it and it was, it looked too much like the Bible, like thin little pages with numbers on the paragraphs and, uh, uh I'm not going to do this. And it kept slapping me in the face. And finally I was forced to read this book <laughs> and, um, and 
one of the reasons of resistance was that it was channeled. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, I mean, I read it a second time was absolutely beautiful because it's very uh, obtuse. I mean, when you, you can read the sentence three different times and it's three different meanings. But the second time I read it was truly beautiful. I found it truly beautiful. And it was almost like Jesus was like, okay, you know, I came down to show you my way and you killed me or murdered me or whatever word you mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, um, and then I, okay. So how should I do my message? How can I give you my message now? So he selected a woman to channel through, which I thought was brilliant of Jesus. Jesus thought, okay, who, who can I, choose to to channel my message so he he chose this woman who happened to be on the faculty of the um columbia university medical school in psychiatry who was a jew and i thought this was just so perfect because um you know she's she's not you know she has a a a career you know, she's not going to risk, you know, putting this out there with, you know, this esteemed career being on the medical faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, so she agreed to, it took her seven years to write, Helen Schuckman took her uh, seven years to write this. And I, I have to tell you um, one thing that, I mean, how many times this book gave me exactly what I needed. Mm. But in the book, uh, threading through the first book is um, my relationship with my husband. Um, uh, Frank, uh, I discovered early on that he had some real anger issues, like he was a rager. And finally, I went bye bye, because I could. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I said to myself, I never, I moved out with a friend. I never want to see this jerk ever again. Okay. Now, again, my will said never. Well, three amazing coincidences happened in a matter of two months. And the first one was being open to open that book and and I opened it to the healed relationship. And I was like, I mean, I was, no, I don't want to read this. But that's my rule. You know, when you open it, you have to read it. And and so that opened me up. Basically, what it said was, God is, is in everyone. And if your brother comes to you with his hand outstretched, and you say no to your brother, you say no to God. And I'm like, oh. God, I can't do that. So that opened me to actually agreeing to meet with him. And then was the second huge, huge, amazing thing that disarmed me. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing was a book. <clears throat> and and um, and the way that third, the, how the coincidence went into a miracle is really incomprehensible to me still. Wow. And that was in 2009. And I am now married to my dream companion. I mean, he's not only healed, he's transformed. 
He is spirit. What a gift. I mean, so, you know, how does that work? So um, those, those um, teachings uh, and they come your way, they come your way. I'm yeah. sure. And, and you seem very fortunate to be privy to these things. I was fortunate also to be given at the age of 21, a book called The Impersonal Life. Now, prior to that, my metaphysical primer has and always and was and has been uh, at the age of 17, autobiography of a yogi. <gasps> but I also take the impersonal life that was given to me by my dear friend Ramona, who has also left this earth. Ironically, she left in the month of March, as did my father and my elder sister. Interesting. There's a connection there. There's a coincidence or coincidence there. And I don't need to know why. All I know is, wow, that's pretty cool. Anyway, she gave me this book and we were conversing one day and she says, she, uh, she asked me if I were trapped on a desert island and I could have one book, what would it be? And in my case, it probably would be autobiography. In her case, it was the impersonal life. Because it's it's like a it's a channeled book, and again it was channeled back I believe in the 1930s, if not earlier, by James Banner. And there are several other books as well that he channeled. Um, but it's fascinating because it's a conversation. Actually, it's a one-sided conversation <laughs> between God or the divine and you, and talking about a myriad of different subjects, including one I'd like to talk about also. Uh, reincarnation as we continue here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan with uh, sophia demas and uh, sophia demas that's d-e-m-a-s sophia demas.com is the website and we hope that you'll go there to check out the two books that we've been uh, sort of um, alluding to and tapping into but let me ask you about uh, this aspect of reincarnation I mean, i've talked with a lot of different people on this program and they all tend to agree yeah Reincarnation, it's been there in all of the ancient wisdom teachings, the philosophies down through the centuries, with maybe the one exception that the powers that be within Christendom in the early days uh, decided they better take it out because it gives people too much freedom to screw around in this life. And then, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll correct everything in the next life. I've known about reincarnation all my life. And I've never spent time screwing around. I've had fun. I've been happy. But, you know, it's like I also believe in karma, cause and effect. Act, every action for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. But when you start throwing in the concept of reincarnation, having lived past lives, oh, my God, the, <laughs> the floodgates open in terms of, okay, where did I do this that I now have to pay for it or fix it or whatever? Uh, which past life did I, did I, uh, 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 I'll use the term messed up. Cause I don't believe we ever really, ever really make mistakes. We have learned life lessons or lessons learned. There are no mistakes. I mean, so what you're telling me is that uh, Edison, he, uh, he, he, he made uh, 990 mistakes. No, he didn't. He learned from each one of those. Anyway, so talk to us a little about your perspective, your perceptions of how reincarnation plays into this, especially in terms of uh, divine guidance, but then, of course, counterbalancing that or mixing it in with the aspect of karma. Okay. Um, 
I, I experienced something very bizarre, bizarre enough that I felt it was, um, it was, it happened to me so that I could tie loose ends with someone from a past life. So much so that I had a, a past life regression happen and the answer came. So I believe it. It's just that I do not want to come back. I do not want to come back. And I feel that God, divine intelligence, has put a lot of things in my path to do so that I don't come back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, and, and it basically it's helping people. Right. Helping. And that's, this is how I derive a satisfaction, you know. And you know what? I'll tell you something very exciting. As you probably know, reincarnation, near-death experiences have been studied by scientists for decades. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's okay to write about those things. And I've got to tell you what's really exciting for me right now, that scientists have gotten interested in both of my books. So I knew that scientists were studying consciousness. But I had no idea that there were scientists studying coincidence. I, I had no idea. Ooh. And and so I've been in contact, you know. Um, so and so uh there's an outfit. Um it, it's amazing how these things happen, but um it's the oh, you should look it up. It's the scientific and medical network out of the UK. And the um executive director is David Lorimer. So he does a book brief every month. And so he interviews a scientist and then features their book. And he invited me to be his guest for September and featuring both of my books. And so, and I've, um, then he also invited me to uh, help plan and participate in the Synchronicity Summit at the end of October. Oh, so it's cool. me and 14 scientists, you know, and but here's so so I'm telling you this because science is catching up to us. OK, so I was um, uh, I, I was in contact with Dr. Eben Alexander, who wrote the book Proof of Heaven. Mm -hmm. And he he loved the book, uh, my first book, and asked for the second, um, the the uh, manuscript to endorse my second book. And then I hear from him and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I can't endorse your second book. Uh, I can't endorse this book because there's not sufficient discussion of consciousness. And I'm like, huh? And I realized mm -hmm. that that was code, okay? This is code. What he was saying to me was, Oh, I'm a neurosurgeon. I can die and go to heaven, come back and write about it because, you know, it's an NDE. You know, scientists have been like studying this forever. Mm -hmm. So then I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask one of the scientists to uh to endorse my book, uh, who studies coincidence. And he writes back and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't endorse your book because it's not my field. So then this David Lorimer sends me two articles on after-death communication that he co-authored. And, and it was, except the, the, the examples given were like old, like from the Victorian times or the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe this. Three days later, the, the scientist who studies coincidence writes me and says, since I received your, um, your email, I have received a flurry of after-death communication information, and I will endorse your book. So now, just in time for my second book, a new scientific field has emerged, ADC, after-death communication. I'm so excited. So they're catching up. The, the scientists are, it's, it's, and the thing, and the thing is that this, this idea of consciousness having intelligence, it's, it's um it's known you know scientists know about it and basically my my position with it is that okay to the coincidence happens you take action and what happens at that moment when you let go and let god do the cooking okay what you do is you and this divine intelligence co-create Mm. And the miracle comes to you as a co-creation. You know, there's another element I want to get into uh, before we wrap up our program, because it's a story that I heard. I loved the story because it really and it really resonated with me. Once again, don't know why, doesn't matter. But uh, what does matter is that you folks are listening to a conversation between yours truly and Sophia Demas, sophiademas.com here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I wanted to touch upon this uh, little story here that I was told <clears throat> or I heard. I can't remember exactly, but it doesn't. Once again, doesn't matter. The story goes like this. There are two gentlemen and um, uh, we'll call one Frank. And we'll call one Bob and they go out to breakfast one morning and they're having a wonderful conversation. Just they're, they're really good friends, kind of like my friend Doug and I, who I knew for 53 years before he decided to leave. And uh, <laughs> and uh, at the end of the meal, uh, Bob picks up the check, looks at it, reaches into his pocket, pulls out exactly the amount and they go on their way. A few weeks later, they get together for lunch, sit down again, have wonderful conversation, great meal. Tick, uh, the, the bill comes. Bob takes the bill, reaches into his pocket and pulls out exactly the amount needed. Now, about two weeks later, they get together for dinner. And they're sitting there once again. It's a marvelous conversation, nice back, uh, back and forth and so forth. And then the bill comes and Bob picks up the check and reaches into his pocket and pulls out exactly the amount needed. And Frank says, you know, Bob, I, I first of all, I want to thank you for, you know, for for buying, you know, the last three few meals that we've had together. Um, but I just have one question. How is it? that you always have exactly the right amount in your pocket to pay the bill. And he says, well, let me tell you this little story. I was cleaning out my garage one day and I came across this lamp and I, it was really, really dusty. So I started to dust it off and all of a sudden out pops this smoke and this genie appears saying, you have one wish and you cannot wish for more wishes. So he thinks about it. He says, Can I get back to you in a couple of days? He says, I will be here. Comes back a couple of days. I come back a couple of days later and I say, I know what my wish is. 
My wish is to have what I need at the time I need it, monetarily and, of course, otherwise. And uh, your wish is my command, and boom. And that is how he's able to do this. Now, I thought, wouldn't that be wonderful? Would I love to have multiple zeros before the decimal point in my bank account? Sure, who wouldn't? But to quote Jesus, do you see the birds in the air? Look at them. They are not toiling. They don't work. And yet your father takes care of them. They, they, they live and they love and they, they are happy and et cetera, et cetera. Why are you worrying about what you are going to eat or what you're going to wear? Where are you going to sleep tonight, et cetera, et cetera? You know, the birds are cared for. Trust in trust in your father, trust in God, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, well, why would that be such a bad thing to live like that? Um, isn't it true that 100 to 150 years ago, there was no such thing as retirement? You lived until you died. You worked until you died, but it wasn't always necessarily work. It's just what you did. And now we have retirement and we have vacations and we have all of this stuff in our modern day. And I'm thinking, does this really mesh with the divine, we'll call it the divine protocol? You know, and then again, it goes back to what you and I have already alluded to. And that is maybe these things have been put in, in place here to show us this isn't the direction that we should be going as human beings. That back then where you, you just did what you did while you were alive, if you had kids, yeah, you had kids to help out and so forth. And then one day you decide I'm going to leave and, and you leave. What are your thoughts in, in regards to accumulating stuff, wealth, etc., as opposed to mother nature, what animal other than human beings stores up for more than one season? Oh, that's a, such a, a, a good thought provoking question. Um, because again, just looking at my life, <clears throat> you know, I was materialistic. I loved beautiful clothes and beautiful jewelry and art. And, um, and I just had to have these things. And um, it's taken like a whole 180 now. And I do feel the need for security. I, I could care less about any, I don't think I'm going to buy another, another article of clothing until I die. Um, I told six years ago, I told my husband, no more jewelry, no more jewelry. And because there are other things that give me satisfaction. I love looking at beautiful things and, uh, you know, I, I'd rather have, uh, you know, I had a 1966 red Mustang that I absolutely loved. And now I want a safe car. You know, I want something that's safe. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's like a, a, a it's, I, I know exactly where you're going. If I had to, like, you know, I, I think about with all these disasters, well, I look at these people that their their possessions are instantly gone. And and you see them and they're just thankful that their family is safe. Mm. And so um I don't wish that on anyone, but it 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 is for us to learn that 
we can survive that, you know? And yeah. so, so we can, we can live moment to moment and we'll be just fine. We're just programmed to have things. Yeah. I, I think, I, you know, too, the, the other element too, is, you know, everybody's talking these days about insurance. Now I happen to live in an area here in Santa Barbara up on the mountain in, in actually what is wilderness country. It's the Los Padres national forest. Uh, we had renter's insurance up until two years ago and our insurance company said, yeah, we're not renewing. And I understand why I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not upset with them because why would you be, you know, basically you're throwing money down a well um, and they're a business that's in business to make money. All right. I'm not going to take that away from them. That's, that's what they're here to do. That's their, their role, so to speak. My role or my position is, and when we were evacuated one time, the one time we were evacuated a few in 2017, <clears throat> um, fortunately, we had the insurance then uh, and they covered things and so forth. But there was a part of me that was going, boy, I don't really wish this, but there's a part of me that wishes that the fire would just come through and wipe everything out. and We just start over because I've taken the position in my life to just trust, trust the universe. I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It is okay in the present moment. As a matter of fact, as you and I are speaking right now, I have everything I need. There is nothing at this very moment that I need. You know, I'm complete in this moment and now in this one and, and so on and so forth. Are you able to codify that down so that people start to get it. And I know everybody's perceptions different. Everybody's absorption, if you will, or I'll call it the grokking rate <laughs> uh, is different. But at the same time, it's like, man, I wish I could just inject this concept into people so they would get it and stop blaming. And this is the thing that was saddening to me. And again, my heart goes out to the folks who were devastated by the wildfire in, uh, in Lahaina. But at the same time, they're complaining that the authorities this and the authorities that I'm going, wait a minute. You know, I realize it was a fast mover and we've had them here. We had a town up north that burned to the ground paradise. And of course, there were complaints then. But it's like you're alive. You're still breathing air. You're still able to eat and, you, you, and you're getting support and so forth. It seems like we've lost the ability to be grateful, I guess, is kind of where I'm going with this. Your thoughts? Um, yes, I, 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 I believe that that, um, and, and a lot of this has to do with learning a lesson, you know. Um, but also, what you touched on, as far as like, you know, you're alive. I have to tell you, um, and this is this is what I hope the second book. Um, parlays um, is that what I hope people take away from the second book is that the evidence, the evidence that happened to me, um, seven chapters are my experiences and three are close friends' experiences. And mm -hmm. 
you can't pick which one is the strangest, but the idea without, I, I mean, I believe this without a trace of doubt that when we die, we simply shed our bodies and we are as conscious as you and I are right now. And that to me gives such hope because I'm astounded at how clever my departed loved ones have been in communicating with me. Mm -hmm. And what that tells me is that when it's my turn to take the trip, Mm -hmm. I get to be creative and in communicating with whoever I left behind. Mm -hmm. So, so this fear of death of, um, you know, saying, Oh, but I'm alive, you know, because if, if you were dead, you're dead. Right. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> you're dead. Uh, but, but then, you know, you hear about these near death experiences, people who have experienced this and they come back and, and there's a lot of stories about not wanting to come back. So there's something really good on the other side that we don't have to fear, you know, and, um, and, and that, and I'm so, I, I, because the second book kind of wrote itself because I was cr- trying to cram everything in the first book and it was just too much. So I just instinctively plucked out all the stories that had to do with death. So the second book kind of wrote itself, mm-hmm. but wow, what, you know, I mean, it, it, these things, you know, how can you, how, I don't understand materialistic scientists that really believe that, you know, that, the brain is what conjures up sci- a consciousness so that mm-hmm. when you die, there you go, you're done. No, mm-hmm. There's nothing. But basically what these scientists are now coming to believe that consciousness is very much what I consider to be God or divine intelligence. And our brains are made to click in like antenna or transmitters or something mm-hmm. and we <clears throat> and we remain the last uh the last uh chapter in my book was an experience i had during a guided meditation by a woman who i consider to be an ascended master and that <clears throat> that was the seal that with that experience there's no doubt that we simply return where whence we came. Yeah, which has frustrated me for a while to no end or did frustrate me uh, to no end because it's like, okay, the ancient wisdom teachings tell us we come from the one. The ancient wisdom teachings tell us we're going back to the one. So what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> and again, got to give up the need to know why. Let it go. Just live. Be happy. Be joyful. Serve. Uh, give what you can. Receive. That's an, that's another element too. We'll talk about uh, at another time. But the giving and the receiving. The exchange. I believe that the one of the universal laws is there is always an exchange. The universe abhors a vacuum, and there is always an exchange. And there can't be a giver without a receiver and vice versa. And to that end, we have to also thank you for being a part of Tell Me Your Story. 
I'm Richard Dugan, and uh, I thank you, Sophia, Sophia Dimas, sophiadimas.com, for being with us here on the program. Uh, there are my my mind is being flooded with more and more questions, and I wish we had more time today on this program. But we will get back together again because I want to continue this conversation. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling this this incredibly wonderful welling up when we get when we dive into some of these things deeper and deeper. That is just I, I'm just I'm so excited. I <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but it, it, this this just thrills me that that I've connected with you, um, and and that we are able to share what we're sharing on these on these programs. So I thank you so much for being here, for doing what you're doing, for writing the books you've written, and for making yourself available to the folks who uh, need it and want it, and uh, hopefully will follow. This was a pleasure. Well, I have three final questions for you before I wrap up, because I ask these questions of all of my guests. Uh, I've been doing so for 15 years. Questions have been modified a little bit along the way, but eh, basically the same principle. Before I ask those of you, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. As we are giving you choices, and I'm getting excited once again here, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. You know, I told you before, we're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And you're going to have to tune in to find out what in the heck does that mean. We're also uh, streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com with our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. You now know why I took a deep breath to get all of that in. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. I hope that you'll at least as select notification i'm not sure you can do that without subscribing but if you can please do so that you're notified the next time a uh, a conversation is put up here on on the cloud as it were um and um also spend time going within man i i can't i cannot emphasize that enough and i'm sure sophia would uh, um echo these words i can't emphasize enough taking some time 60 seconds again not at a red light uh to just pause and just go within even if it's just being quiet so you're not listening for or to anything but if you hear the promptings whatever they may be of inspiration encouragement education information etc cetera, etc cetera, that is for you you want to know where you're going to get uh, unfiltered non-fake, uh, um, a personalized, we'll call it news. It's going to be when you go within and it's for you. I've never liked it when someone at the Christian station would say, Richard, God told me to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, take your information and go elsewhere. Cause God knows my number. I'll even take the call collect. Okay. Also, if you would like to support the work we're doing, and I can't thank those of you who have supported us along the way. And those who will, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. Just put in my email address, Richard at Richard Dugan. Boom. It's uh, it's it's greatly appreciated. With that, final three questions as we wrap up this edition of Tell Me Your Story. Who is Sophia Demas? A very, very, very happy woman. What is your life's purpose? 
I believe that <clears throat> it's to help help others. And finally, what was your best day? Oh, there are countless, countless. Um, that, that's a that's a that's the hardest question um, put to me. Uh, uh, best day was. Um, I I I just can't. I mean, it's like finding my daughter, my husband, it, it all has to do with some other person. I, I'm thinking of my father, my mother, uh, these uh, amazing, you know, uh, uh, working for Buckminster Fuller and, and that exchange. Um, I mean, I can think of one wonderful day. I mean, it's, I can't, I cannot answer that question. <laughs> And I understand. I do indeed. Uh, but again, I do thank you for being a part of Tell Me Your Story and being a part of what is making, not as what it's going to, what is making the world a better place. Sometimes it is one person at a time. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And if you haven't heard all of the new choices that I've heard on this program, you need to listen again. And until our next broadcast, podcast, video cast, here we go, folks. Love to Lal. Jeanette, you know I'm still listening. Dad, I'm happy as you are. And we're on opposite sides of the veil, and I'm happy that you're happy. And to my best friend, Doug Smokey, I will see you on the other side.